you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Welcome to NFL Films Tales from the Vault. I'm your host, Hall of Fame journalist Andrea Kramer. On this podcast, we take you back in time as we journey into the NFL Films Vault to find some of the greatest interviews ever conducted by the legendary Steve Sable. In his five decades as president of NFL Films, Steve interviewed hundreds of players and coaches. Those conversations have never been heard in their entirety until now. And I'm here to guide you through them, providing context, insight, and the occasional anecdote of my own. Today, we head to 1997 to visit with one of Steve's favorites, the inimitable Bill Parcells. The interviews we've been bringing you typically fall into one of two categories, a comprehensive career retrospective or simply a snapshot in time of a player or coach's career. This interview is a little bit of both. In June of 1997, Bill Parcells had just been named head coach and general manager of the New York Jets. Remember that the season before, he took the Patriots to the Super Bowl. And just a week after losing to Green Bay, Parcells stunned the NFL by resigning from New England. After some negotiations, which amounted to four draft picks and a $300,000 charitable donation to the Patriots by the Jets, Parcells was returning home to New Jersey. And make no mistake, he is a Jersey guy through and through. Now, remember, in 1997, he was a decade removed from the first of his two Super Bowl wins with the Giants and was still nearly a decade away from retiring. Ultimately, coaching three years with the Jets and then four more with Dallas after that. In fact, I was on the sidelines for what turned out to be his final game as a head coach, the 21-20 wildcard loss to Seattle when Tony Romo bobbled the hold on what could have been the game-winning field goal. For Parcells, that bitter defeat encapsulated something he's always told me, that the losses hurt more than the wins felt good. 
In fact, one of the things I've relished most about talking with Parcells to this day is that he speaks his mind, sharp tongue and all. He's got a quick wit and he's never bereft of opinions. One of the things that's so entertaining about this interview is the verbal jousting that we'll hear between Steve and Bill. Now, before we begin, let me set the scene for you. Picture Steve and Bill sitting outside Parcell's house in northern New Jersey. Pool in the background on a beautiful and sunny June day. Oh, and I've already alerted you to be ready for some playful banter between Steve and Bill, especially regarding Parcell's treatment of NFL Films cameramen. He was notorious for chasing their cameras away on the sidelines, especially cameras belonging to the lead director of photography on this shoot, Hank McGelwee. So let's go to the vault for Steve Sable and Bill Parcells. All right, the last time that we were here, Bill, the last time we were here, this whole, the, the swimming pool, this whole house, this was just a big hole in the ground. You were just starting out with the Patriots. Now we're back, got a beautiful home. The Patriots, you took them to the Super Bowl, but you're starting all over again with a new team. What happened? Well, you know, it's uh, sometimes opportunity comes along and, um, you know, you just have, I wanted to come back home. This is my home. This is where my family is. Mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't have left the team in New England. I enjoyed it there. I enjoyed those players. Um, they accomplished something, I think, special. Um, particularly for them. Mm -hmm. And uh, I like living in New England, but this is my home. And my family's here. And when had you say it not been home, New York... Now it, this is New Jersey, so right. everybody knows where That's we right. are. This is... But ha had it not been a New York franchise, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be going on. This just is the right place for me. Now, earlier we were kidding around about, with about our cameraman and you know, kidding around about you now. Uh, is that what you call those guys? Yeah, these guys here. Yeah. You know, the guys that you treat with such respect during the course of a season. You know, all these, you know, all these guys here. That, yeah. uh, you know, that hasn't changed. You still accord us the same respect, cordiality. We'd love to come film. Now we'll be looking the forward to going. The respect that I, that I uh, give them is commensurate with their, uh, with their uh, abrasiveness in interfering with my coaching operation. No, no, not these, not these. Uh, Hank, Hank, how many times has Coach Parcells thrown you off the field? At least a dozen. A dozen times? At least. Now, do you remember doing that? I don't remember any of them. <laughs> <laughs> but I, well, when, we, when you let us in your locker room after you won the Super Bowl with the Giants, you said something. One thing first, listen to me. The rest of your life, the rest of your life, I'm man, nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did it. Now, first of all, who is they? Well, you know, there's, there's, a, um, there's a kind of cynicism that sometimes um, raises its head in sports. I think it's born of um, a little bit of jealousy. Uh, on the part of uh, of of people uh, against uh, success, mm -hmm. I think it, it builds up eventually. Teams that have uh, been successful over a period of years, the 49ers, they're successive. Uh, you see it in basketball, the Chicago Bulls. Oh, I want somebody else to win, mm -hmm. and um, you know, winning's a very precious thing. And and to be called the champion, 
You know, it's why we do these things. It's why I do it. I think it's why a lot of players play is to see if you can achieve on the highest level. And to be called one one day is a very special thing. Now, I'm not naive enough to, to, to think that it represents anything substantial in the spectrum of things in this world. Mm -hmm. But in this particular industry, the National Football League, it, it does mark um, the pinnacle. And for a short time, those that get to enjoy that, I think, deserve a measure of credit. It is a precious thing. And it's something that you keep with you forever. And they can't take it away. Well, if we were going to go back through our film library, and we have, we've covered you from, from when you started and, and every game, and we were going to put it on a, on a reel and run it through for you, uh, what scene or what scenes would you like to rerun? if we were going to take your whole career and, and, and put it on a VCR here for you? Is there a certain scene that... that, that yeah, sure. Of course, they're all... Uh, I think there there's two or three different ones. I think uh, we had a Monday night game in Washington to open the season some, some years back. And mm -hmm. It was around midnight, and the fog was rolling in on RFK. And the Redskins had had caught us. We were ahead in the majority of the game. They had caught us and had gotten the lead late in the game. We came back to tie it up, and then we got one more possession, and with two seconds left, Raul Allegre kicked a 53-yard field goal to beat them. Mm -hmm. And uh, the stadium turned from, from 60,000 wild you know how RFK yeah. is, into a mausoleum, and it turned in about <laughs> 10 seconds. So that's one scene that I vividly recall. Um, the NFC Championship game, the 1990 season, be beating San Francisco. At that time, I think consensus where this might be the greatest team of all time. Mm -hmm. if the they, 49ers. Yeah, if they three-peat. Yeah. This, kind of, this, this might be the greatest team of all time. We had our backup quarterback, Jeff Hosteller, playing, who wound up being an outstanding quarterback in the league. Uh, but at that time, he was relatively unproven. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and he was able to lead us to that win. So that would be... Now, you have in your den a picture of Matt Barr, of uh, Barr's winning field goal. Field goal, right. Yeah, yeah that so, meant a lot to me. That was, uh, I think, that was probably the one of the two or three greatest moments. Again, I think probably the very next week, uh, the Super Bowl, Buffalo, the offense of the 90s, you know, yeah. averaging 35 points a game, uh, had beaten the Raiders 51 to yeah. three, and then our team just kind of slugging it out with them and, and, and winning that game. So, there, you know, there are times that... Uh, that now, if I was gonna be one of your players, one thing that, that well, to B. me... Be Lawrence Taylor, will you? I could use... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm talking about now in, in, in the perspective of history. The one thing to me that, that I would strive to be would to be referred to by you as one of your guys. You talk about my guys. How do I earn, if I'm a player, how do I earn the, uh, the, the recognition of being, quote, one of your guys? <laughs> Well, I, I think the frame of reference is a little misrepresented there, Steve, in terms of, I, I think probably when I said my guys, 
I've said that several times. I'm referring to the team and, and the total composition of the team. However, I think within that structure, the teams that I've had that have been any good, there have always been about 10 or 15 guys that were the core, the, the, the heartbeat, the soul, the spirit, um, the nucleus of, of the success of the team. And it was true in New York with the Giants, and it was certainly true in New England with the Patriots, and uh, hopefully it'll be true with the Jets. But it's just, it's just a group that are proud of that jersey that they're wearing and, and they're winning games for that franchise and that moment for that group. It's important to them. And uh, so I think probably that would be the best way to refer to my guys. Now, do you give like a psychological or written test for players when you scout them? I mean, is that something that you do? Yes. Yeah. Well, what would, would I have to, again, if I was a player and wanted to play for you, what would be things that you would look for in that written exam that would, that would alert? I would give you an example. I would ask Steve Sable, what are the three most important things in his life? And if the answers to those questions, well, maybe your family is one or your religion or whatever it would mm -hmm. be. If football wasn't in there somewhere. Wasn't in the top three. If it wasn't in the top three, I might, ha I might have a problem, mm -hmm. you know. I, w I want the guy's job and, and his, what he's working at, I want it in there somewhere. It doesn't have to be right at the top of the list, but it needs to be in there somewhere. It's in there with me. I want it in there with the guys that I'm coaching. Now, do you cook? You mean in a yeah. culinary? In a culinary sense, do you cook? I mean, <laughs> would you come out here and, and barbecue or something? I, I'm not that domestic, Steve. Okay. I, I, I really don't have ability in, in any uh, domestic area. All right, so that My you, wife has, ha has, has had to learn to make her life on her own in, this, okay. in the environment of the house. So you don't buy groceries then, do you? I, I mean, I went with her a couple of times, mm -hmm. but, yeah, but not very okay. often. Now, that, the reason I asked you that is that you had that phrase after the, during the Super Bowl that if you're going to cook, you want to buy the groceries. Right. And I thought that was sort of strange because I didn't think that you were the kind of guy that went out and bought groceries or cooked. So where did that... Well, did, it was just a... You know, it was just... And I didn't mean it in a negative way. I, I just... I meant it in this respect. In the situation that I was in at that point in time, I was by far the most experienced person there. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I, so I just made reference to, you know, if they're going to ask you to cook the dinner, they ought to allow you at least to shop for some of the groceries. That's, that was what I said. And um, I think people, people confuse that. In, in, uh, I think any, the only thing I've ever wanted as a coach is someone to get me players. Just get me players. That's, that's what the general manager's job when I... When I was with the Giants, they had a general manager that got me players, and we were able to be successful. So that's all I ever wanted as a coach. It's not so much about control, but about getting the, the resources in place but to allow you to succeed. But control, though, is important to you. I mean, it is. I mean, even when we did this well, interview, you had to know the names of the guys here. You wanted to know the name of our crew. You had to know how many people <laughs> were going to be here. So come on, that's a control is, is important to you. That's... Well, I, I think that's a word that, that, that's a little ambiguous in, 
in, uh, being informed doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, I, mean, I didn't tell you where to send up, uh, set up these cameras here to do this inter interview. I didn't tell you to cho what location what, you think to you, choose. You think we're in a bad location here? You well, want us to change? I, I probably would have changed the location yeah. myself, Real, you know, yeah. but you have the expertise. Mm -hmm. I'm going to let you fail on your own. <laughs> <laughs> but now to get back to coaching. So you think that the, the head coach should have the final decision as to what players that he's going to acquire? Not necessarily. I think if the head coach is, is uh, experienced and capable, I think he should have input. I don't necessarily think the final decision's mm -hmm. that important. I never, I don't, I really didn't ever care about that myself. Mm -hmm. As long as I was 100% confident in the guy that was bringing me the players. Mm -hmm. if, if I'm confident in the guy that's bringing me the players, mm -hmm. that's fine. I'm sure I can come to some agreement with him. I, I, I know I could. See now, the Ron Wolf was bringing me players. Mm -hmm. No problem. No problem. Mm -hmm. No problem, ever. But you want to be able to decide who that player, who that guy is, who's bringing you the players. Sure. Right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I have experience so in this say, industry, and 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 I know the guys and how they work and what guys are going to be successful doing those kinds of things. So and I want some of them around me. So when people can help say me do that, win, that you want total control. That's what you mean, is that you don't necessarily want to pick the players yourself, but you want someone you trust to pick the players. Absolutely. Okay. I got someone now. His name's Dick Haley, mm -hmm. and I'm looking forward to it. I think if you've asked, if you could ever ask all the people that I've worked with, coaching staff, some of them have been with me 17, 18 years, um, administrators, will Bill Parcells listen? The answer would be yes, he will listen. So if someone comes to me with an idea, and it's a good one. I don't think I'm narrow-minded enough to, to dismiss it. Now, now if you're you... some guy off the streets and, 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 and you got an opinion and I don't know who you are or where you come from and you're just saying, hey, Parcells, draft this guy, I might not pay too much attention to that one. To further the metaphor used by Parcells, when he first got to New England in 1992, he didn't exactly shop for the groceries, but he did provide the list, and he was well accommodated. At that point, New England was in disarray. Owner James Orthwine was threatening to move the team to St. Louis, and Parcells was there to provide stability. But when Robert Kraft took ownership of the team, he decided to limit Parcells' control. Sort of ironic, considering how much control Bill Belichick has today. but. Back to Parcells, remember his infamous quote from his resignation press conference. They want you to cook the dinner. At least they ought to let you shop for some of the groceries. Okay? This quote exemplifies one of Bill's most endearing and enduring traits, what I call Parcells-isms. Quotes that are so memorable, they make it into the NFL vernacular, like, you are what your record says you are. How many times have we heard coaches say that? Look, few turn a phrase like Bill Parcells, and I will be dropping a few more of my favorites throughout this podcast. But when we come back, a philosophical discussion between Steve and Bill about the merits of having total control and whether or not it affects the ability to coach. Stay tuned. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. 
That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think he could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, exactly. he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. And then I, his, he's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what so. I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because it ain't me? <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Tales from the Vault. The thing about being the one who picks the players is you're always going to be second-guessed. Conversely, if you're the one who questions the decisions of management, you're also going to be second-guessed. Steve's about to talk to Parcells about two players, both of whom Parcells was accused of questioning, both of whom worked out. The first was running back David Meggett, selected by the Giants in the fifth round in 1989, who played 10 seasons for Parcells with the Giants, New England, and the Jets. The second player is the late Terry Glenn, who Parcells was critical of, but who also led all rookies in receiving in 1996 after being drafted with the seventh pick. Now, here's another great Parcells-ism, and it applies to young, highly-touted players. Bill said, Let's put away the anointing oil. Don't put him in the Hall of Fame just yet. For Parcells, a player really had to prove his worth. Now, what can you think in your, in, in your recent past of players that maybe you didn't want to take, that you were convinced that you should take in the draft? Well, there have been a couple of references about that. One of them was referring to David Meggett. Bill Parcells did not want David Meggett. That's not true. The whole that scenari- was what I was going to ask. The whole scenario, true. this is exactly what happened. I had a 5'7 running back at the time named Joe Morris, who was a pretty good mm-hmm. player. I was looking at David Meggett in the respect, well, what is David Meggett going to do for me as a backup running back? Okay, and 5'7 guys usually don't play special teams. So I asked the scouting group that was there recommending this player, can this player be my starting punt returner? Can this player be my starting kickoff returner? And it was a unanimous, yes, he can. Soon as they said that to me, I said, let's draft David Megan. Now what about Terry Glenn? Terry Glenn, 
I always liked as a player. Anyone who looked at Terry Glenn would not not like Terry Glenn. I had no feelings about not wanting Terry Glenn. I just felt like New England's defense needed more attention. Now, as it turned out, retrospectively, Terry Glenn was an outstanding, I think he reminds me of Paul Warfield, you know, and I think he's a, a guy that's gonna could be a great player. I'm not stupid enough not to use him. I used him. And retrospectively, I'm glad we picked Terry Glenn. I just feel like, I felt like at the time, the defense needed uh, uh, some attention. And it does, believe me. I know that defense. It does need attention. But if you're going to be, in essence, like control and be, in essence, the general manager and the head coach, people always say, well, a head coach, he has to win now. The general manager, he can look down the future, and he's building for the future. Do you think there's a... There's it's a... one and the same for me. I'm 55 years old. I'm not going to be a head coach when I'm 70. Okay? So it's one and the same for me. I want to win now, and I'm, but I'm going to make decisions that I think give, give me the best chance to compete now. But I also have to take the long-term view because when I'm finished coaching... I might be to still be the general manager. So I've got both shoes to, to step but in. Look at this, Bill. The, and, and you've been in, since you've been in the game in the early 80s, look how the, 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 the responsibilities of the head coach have changed. I mean, now you've got all the things with free agents. You have somebody now they call a capologist. Do you, do you have a capologist? Sure do. Yeah. That's an important. He's pretty good. Yeah. But 28 now, years old. He's a young capologist. Yes, sir. But don't you think that to take all of this responsibility is you might be over, it might affect your ability to be a coach? No. Not if, not if, not if I, look at, this isn't that hard. I mean, you got to get the, you got to get the natural resources, so to speak. If you have somebody to get that for you, the scouting department, okay? And then you have to have someone to kind of keep up with the economics of it. All right? Mm -hmm. I have someone to do that. Mm -hmm. And those people are competent people. I don't think it's that hard. But what you want, and see if this is right, is that you want the final say. Like in my business, a director would ask for the final cut. And when this is inter the interview is over, I'm going to decide what we're going to use and what we're not going to use. So what you're asking for now as a head coach is you want the final cut, so to speak. That, you, that if there's a, a question or a decision, you can you make the you're the, you're the final say is that right yeah i am the final say right now but every head coach doesn't have that no but i had the final say for 3 years in new england i think it went pretty well there mm -hmm. so i want to ask you again about being about this concept of the coach having total control do you think that it's possible with all the, the, the how complex the business is now that your role as head coach could be compromised by having to worry about all these other other aspects of running a team? Well, acquiring the talent. You know, I'll tell you what you ought to do. You ought to go back. Now you're telling me what to do. I'm now, telling right? you what to do. Right. I've done this. Okay. I want you All to right. go back. You know, no one ever really reflects on the records of these personnel people mm -hmm. and these general managers and that these guys that say that 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 the job is too complex for the coach. So here's what I want you to do. Okay. I want you to go back to the 1994 draft. 
That's only three yeah. years ago. Right, well, what the 1995 draft and the 1996 draft. And I just want you to go down the first round. Okay, there are 28 players in the 94 draft. Um, there are 28 players in the 95 draft. What is it? And we went to the expansion, then there's 30 players. So you've got about maybe 94 players. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now I want you to go back and redraft those players as they were drafted by those teams. And also put the economic tag on those players that were drafted, where they were drafted and how much they cost, and see how those gurus are doing. Okay? See if it was... See how wise these how wise, managers... How prudent they were in the dollar expenditures. Okay? Because I've gone back and I've done that. And they're probably well over 50% of those players that were drafted and paid for, if they had the opportunity to do it again, I don't think they'd do it based on what's happened. But do you think that a coach would have done better making those decisions than a general manager? But I mean, Bill, how Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Because how does we're a coach talking... know what's going on in college? You've got games that you're... you're That's a... right. There's, there's no possible way for a coach to... The coach has to gather the information from people he has confidence in. And then look at the players and do his homework and study the films. And the personnel people have to understand the philosophy of the coach so that they bring players to the coach that fit that type of philosophy. And that's where the conflict is in football. You're a general manager. Well, that guy's got talent. Yeah, but he doesn't fit into my system as the coach. Well, yeah, he's got talent. Well, he doesn't fit into my system. It doesn't make any difference what happens. If it doesn't work, it's no good for anyone. So the general manager needs to try to bring players to the coach that fit into his system. And the coach needs to try to develop players that the general manager brings to him and, 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 and give them the opportunity to try to play. And if you can do that, it can work out. Problem is, new coach, he wants different players. Okay, fire that personnel department. Okay, now, here comes the guy. This did, coach didn't win. Okay, now, different coach, same personnel department. Okay, he wants different guys, and it, it's a circle. Mm -hmm. It's a circle. And you could, there are franchises in this league that have been going on that merry-go-round for a long time, unsuccessfully. And then you see other guys that go places you know, let's take Pat Riley. Let's Pat, take, you want Pat to take Riley. Pat yeah, I want to take him because right. just coincidentally, wherever he goes, I don't know why, wherever he goes, all of a sudden there seems to be a good team there. Mm -hmm. I mean, when he was in the Lakers, it was a good team there. Mm -hmm. When he came to the Knicks, it was a good team there. Mm -hmm. Well, you can say the same had, thing about yourself. No, no, I'm not, I'm not trying to relate it to Riley. Now he goes to Miami, there's a good team there. Now, to me, he's got something to do with those good teams being there, you know, because they weren't there before he got there, and then in some cases, they're not there after he left. To button up the value Bill places on good coaching, I present to you another classic Parcellsism. You don't have to get hit in the face with the skunk before you smell it. Now, as for the question of whether or not Parcells was good at shopping for the groceries, in his three seasons as both coach and general manager, Parcells drafted one player who would eventually become an all-pro, linebacker James Farrier. But it took Farrier leaving the Jets for Pittsburgh for that to happen. However, 
After Parcells resigned as head coach following the 1999 season, he remained as general manager in charge of player personnel. And in 2000, the Jets remarkably had four first-round picks and hit on all of them. Defensive end Sean Ellis, linebacker John Abraham, quarterback Chad Pennington, and tight end Anthony Becht. Not one of them played fewer than 11 seasons, and Abraham and Ellis, they combined for seven Pro Bowls. By the way, how did the Jets get four first-rounders under Parcells? Well, it started by trading Bill Belichick to New England for one, and then really trading star-wide receiver Keyshawn Johnson to the Buccaneers for two more. Pretty bold move by Parcells. Now, of course, it should be noted that Belichick won the Super Bowl in 2001 and Johnson won in 2002, and the Jets, I think they're still searching for their first Super Bowl since the 1960s. But let's not let that ruin a good story here. When we come back, though, Steve and Bill go toe-to-toe about Steve's playing days in college when Parcells was on the opposing sideline. Stay tuned. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Fistle Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. We're now joined by three-time NBA Sixth Man of the Year, elite bucket getter. Let's please welcome Jamal Crawford to Point Game, King of the Court one-on-one tournament. If they had it back in your prime, do you think you could have took it all? I'm going to be honest with you. I don't think I could have took it all. But I think I would have shocked a lot of people. I think Kobe and everybody in their prime, Kobe would win a one-on-one contest. Yeah, I, yeah, because you got to think, Love he's going to guard. He don't care about guarding. He's going to guard. He's going to exactly. guard. Like, you see him in the Olympics, he's going to guard. And then on I'm top of that. I'm not guarding like that, see that? Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Sam Cassell to Point Game. I remember you came out from crying tears. <laughs> crying tears. I mean, he was in a culture shock. He's going to withdraw us about winning. Remember what I told you? I said, I said, OG, you think I can get paid and go back and play in college because they didn't need it. <laughs> Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Tales from the Vault. Let's talk nicknames. All right, so we know that Bill Parcells is called the Tuna. But why? Let's go back to a 1997 press conference with Parcells, and I quote, I think it goes back to my first time with the Patriots. There was an old commercial from Starkist with Charlie the Starkist Tuna. So my players were trying to con me on something one time, and I said, you must think I'm Charlie the Tuna, you know, a sucker. And that's kind of how it started. We started with it that year, and Charlie and the other fish used to wear those little tuna helmets, you know, tuna pictures on their helmets. That's where it all started. Well, Steve Sable had a unique nickname himself. 
When he was a fullback at Colorado College, he actually nicknamed himself Sudden Death Sable. Now, if you really want to dig into the print vault and read something from another time, Google the fearless tot from Possum Trot and read about Steve's exploits in an unbelievable Sports Illustrated profile from 1965. Well, in 1964, when Steve was a fullback at Colorado College, he went up against Hastings College from Nebraska, whose linebackers coach was Bill Parcells. Now, if I was a player and I was going to be playing for the Jets this season. You know, I remember you when you were a player, in case you want to know. <laughs> I know. I, I, I mean, I, I coached I, against the I team know. that you played I, on. I averaged six yards a carry I think against it, your I defense. Think it was, so. I think it was 4.1 rounded off to 5-0. <laughs> now, I don't know what school of economics you're I was, allowed I to do that. I was also the public relations department. I know, a but small I, school I, like. I vividly recollect, yeah. Yeah, I vividly read Colorado so, schools. See, now you're trying to take Colorado control College. of the interview. I'm the one that's supposed to be asking the question. Colorado College, that's 1964. Right. Yeah, that's Aren't right. Aren't you a stumbling fullback of I sorts? I was slow, but every step meant slow something. Slow and friendly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me, let me get back to the thing. If I was a player and I was going to play for Bill Parcells, if I was going to try to make the Jets team, what advice would you give me? Get in condition. Get in condition first. It's going to be a hard camp. Get in condition. Uh, put all your problems behind you. I don't. I don't like players that have six or seven other things going on. You know, get your personal problems, your family problems, your girlfriend problems, your money problems. You get get it all behind you, and c come to camp with the idea that we're trying to win some games, because that's what we're trying to do. And if I don't feel like you as a player are physically up to trying to do that or mentally up to do that, then I don't want to fool with you. So that's what I would say. Get in shape and let's go play some football. What's the, the nicest thing that any one of your former players could say about you? He wanted to win. A lot of them have said that. That means more to me than anything. Well... He was a pain in the neck. Well, he was this. Well, he was that. But we knew he wanted to win. And, and I think every player deserves a chance to win. They're out there. They work hard. They work harder than people know. And if you don't give them a chance to win, you're cheating them. And that's how I would like to be remembered. If, if there is, and I'm not saying there will be any legacy, if someone say, hey, this guy wanted to win. I went back and I saw that you're... Your real name is Dwayne Charles Parcells. How, right. did, how did you get Bill? How did that happen? Well, when I moved from Hasbrook Heights, New Jersey to another town, I wasn't enamored with the name Dwayne because when I was in about third grade, my school teacher, who happened to be a woman at the time, called the roll the first day and said, Dwayne Parcells, is she there? Is she here? <laughs> So I kind of got the idea that some people got confused as to whether that was a boy's <laughs> or a girl's name. So I, I wasn't all that enamored with the name. So conveniently, when I moved to, the, to another town, there was another guy that moved in the same time named Bill. And they used to see us together once in a while, and they used to confuse us. So they started calling me Bill. So I just kind of let it go. Anything left? Again? I think we got it all.
because I want to be out of here in time so when coach thinks of us again, he knows that, as you said to us before, you told me before, you know, these guys are under control. I said that our crew is under control. You know what you ought to do? You ought to go out to Mount Rushmore. Hank, go to roll for this. Yeah. Uh, tell yeah. Hank, you, you guys ought to go out to Mount Rushmore. Okay, and with those guys that are up there on that facade, I guess would be the, the yeah. mountainside. You ought to get Sable's face and put him up there. <laughs> uh, you know what I mean? Just film him. Put him right <laughs> up there. Put him right up there. The only other last thing that, that, that I ask is that Newsweek just did a poll about the most stressful jobs in the, in the country. I didn't see that. Yeah, well, yeah. it maybe it's just as well that you didn't because your job was listed as the sixth most stressful job that you could have. That's ahead of policemen, ahead of tra air traffic controllers. Do you think your job is that stressful? At, at one point in time, it was very stressful to me. But I've learned to do better. It's not as stressful now. I've learned to, again, it's maturity, it's experience, it's confidence, it's understanding. It's, no, it's, it's still not without high emotional volatility, but, and I the greatest thing about this job is you don't, there aren't any quarterly reports, you know? There aren't any, well, we're kind of doing better. You know, you know, mm -hmm. it's over. We won or we lost, that's it. It's not, well, we're doing better, our sales are up 10%. We don't have that in my industry. It's black or white. You won or you lost. If you won, everything's going to be okay. If you lost, it's devastation. Yeah, but we have shots of you after you've won games, and you're walking off the field, and, and you don't look happy at all. Well, I mean, yeah, but that's because my team played lousy. But you still won. But that's okay. That's okay for them. Just win the games. That's right. Just win the games. But that's for me to deal with. But that's my own little personal uh, windmill that I have to fight that my team didn't play to its potential. You know, the results of games are very important to the psychological makeup of a team because the team teaches itself what it is every year. So, you know, you can play poorly and win. And pretty soon a team says, hmm, we can get by playing poorly. Big error in judgment. Or we can play very, very well and lose. Now that's a difficult thing for a coach to deal with because your team did just about everything you want them to do, but they didn't get the carrot. Mm -hmm. And that's when you really have to, to keep the air in, in your team and point out the things that you did well. And when you know they gave you everything they had and they just came up a little short. So the psychology of results, I've spoken about that very, a lot in sports. I think it's, it's very important. But here's an interesting quote I wanted. You, you, you and I have talked about history. And Winston Churchill once said that power corrupts. I think I better do that again because this is a good quote, you know, and I want to quote Winston Churchill for you in a uh, minute. All right. Well, okay. Well, let me get my quote in first. Winston Churchill <laughs> said, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts completely. Now, what's your opinion of that? Because what, you, think, what you and uh, I are talking about I is, think is that, absolute power. Well, uh, you see, I don't look at it that way. But you're um, saying you, want, you have to have the ability to make the, the final decision. is up to you. At this point in time, I think I'm the best one to do it in, in, my, in this situation at this point in time. But... Uh, Winston Churchill had another quote. 
Do you know what Winston Churchill's definition of a pacifist was? No. Feed some to the alligators so they eat you last. <laughs> There's about 10 owners in this league that fed a few coaches to the alligators <laughs> this year, you know? And now it's just hunky-dory in those, they got a new coach, you know? They got, everybody's happy, you know what I mean? They fed those coaches, satisfied the public. Mm -hmm. They're getting eaten last, see what I mean? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I, I, I realize that I've got to win as a coach. Mm -hmm. I realize that. No matter what your other titles are, if coach is one of them, you have to win. If you don't win, they're feeding you the alligators. So in that way, what we were saying, that's, that's the stress. In the, in the, but we were, you were talking about coaching, and I remember Chuck Knoll talking to me once about what he enjoyed about coaching most was teaching. And that... And that I agree with that. You know. Preparing the team, mm -hmm. trying to get it ready. Trying to get the team to play to its potential. That's my goal every year. But that doesn't, that's not separate and distinct from these other things that are going You know, these other things that are going on are made out to be overly complex. What other things? Well, this salary cap, this free agency. First of all, this free agency thing, how many teams are dealing with how many free agents every year? I mean, what are we talking about? Five guys? Six right. guys? Okay. So how hard is that? I mean, it's not, it's just identifying what you want to do and trying to go do it. Okay, now sometimes there's a little logistical problem, there's economic problems. You just have to work through that. It's not like, but it's not, it's not m more than, than the common everyday job that you have. You have decisions to make in your industry too. But don't you think that because of free agency and everything that the, that the players have changed, their attitude has changed a little bit, they could say, well, Look, I'll play for Coach Parcell, but ah, look, I don't like the way he treats me. I'll wait till next year and I'll go someplace else. Yeah, so. I think that I think that that can be. What you try to do is not get guys like that on your team. I told you what I want. Guy, the jersey's got to be important to those guys. What they're wearing, they got to be trying to win. You know, so right now green's important. Okay, if it's not green, we don't like it. You got me. If we're we're playing the red shirts or the blue shirts. Okay, we don't like the blue shirts. You guys need gas money back to Philly? <laughs> After all this film, maybe we do. <laughs> all right, get out of here. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say if Bill Parcells had a list of his guys in the media world, Steve Sable would be at the top of it. Look, Parcells can bust your chops with the best of them, but it's a sign of endearment. I'll tell you this definitively. Parcell's coaching tree is hugely meaningful to him. 17 of his assistants have become head coaches in the NFL or NCAA, and nine of his coaches or executives have gone on to become general managers. In fact, to this day, he remains a strong behind-the-scenes mentor for many an NFL coach and some players as well, in addition to some young athletes that no one knows about. This is all a part of Bill Parcells' Hall of Fame legacy. Coming up next week, so you think you've heard everything about Tom Brady? Well, not until you've listened to Steve Sable's interview with him from 2002, when he was just the baby goat, right after Brady won his first Super Bowl. You won't want to miss this. Thanks for listening. I'm Andrea Kramer.
you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.